Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast, Darren Mitchell, on this Thursday, the 21st of July, 2022. And wherever you happen to be in this world, one of the 66 uh, countries that are currently listening and plugging into the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast, I trust you're having a phenomenal week and looking to finish the week off strongly. And of course, if you are a brand new listener, welcome aboard. Hopefully there's some stuff in this particular episode that is enough to say, yep, I think I'll come back and listen to tomorrow's episode, but also check out some of the previous episodes that had, uh, that have been in place for the last two years. I think this is episode 465, so there's lots to listen to. And of course, if you are a returning listener, greatly appreciate you coming back, and I trust that I'm continuing to add value to you on your quest to become an exceptional sales leader. So off the back of the podcast I did earlier this week, uh, which was talking about becoming an exceptional leader, I've been doing uh, a lot of thinking, also had a lot of conversations in relation to this, and uh, one thing keeps coming up, and that is the, the fundamental question that unfortunately many leaders don't ask themselves near enough about, and that is why Why do you want to be in a leadership position? Why are they choosing to be in a leadership position, or if they're placed in a leadership position, why do they stay there? Uh, often, I often ask this question, well, I pretty much ask this question of every single client I'm working with, but also when I'm working with teams and when I'm working with leaders in, in leadership workshops, always ask this question, why do you want to become a sales leader? Or why do you want to become a leader in general? And what's really interesting is the answer will often, very often, did indicate their frame of reference and in my experience, often how successful they will be. Now, I've, I've shared a number of examples over the years with, uh, with colleagues and with people who are aspiring leaders who are looking for the characteristics they need to demonstrate in order to, in order to make the leap, in order to make the transition from an individual contributor to a leadership position, whether that be in sales or, or, or other forms of leadership. And I always say that it's not for the faint-hearted and you need to be prepared because as soon as you're in a leadership position, the skill set that's required is fundamentally different than the skill set required as an individual contributor. And uh, there's a number of examples that I can I can share where individual contributors have been absolutely hell-bent on getting a position, a leadership position, because of what it represents to them and for them. And so they jump into this because of the illusion or the the understanding or the or the premise that they're going to get a level of prestige that's associated or what they think is associated with the leadership position. It might be the power that comes with it. It may be the status that comes with it or simply the symbolism that the leadership position uh, represents in their eyes. And there was one particular person who said to me, and very, very matter of fact and very direct, that I want to be in a leadership position because of the banding I get paid. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, interesting interesting frame of reference. And uh, <laughs> no, suffice to say, this particular person uh, found it quite difficult to make the transition. And when the when the pressure was applied, uh, they were actually found wanting and, and, funnily enough, went back to being an individual contributor and really didn't see the leadership uh, opportunity as a as a pathway for them into the future. And there are so many people who are like this, who are looking for, hey, I want the title, I want the uh, I want the prestige of the of the role, and and when I get this particular role, when I'm actually anointed as a leader, then people will finally respect me. I'll be able to actually 
uh, get people to do things. I'll be able to instruct people. I'll be able to, how's this? I'll be able to tell people what to do. And unfortunately, these are the these are the leaders that end up creating environments of uh, of not high performance. Funnily enough, and even though in the early phases of their leadership journey, they may actually start to add some value to the team because there's there's a new um, I guess there's a new change in the guard and there's a new environment that's been created. There's a freshness to it. If they continue to focus on themselves and and what they can potentially get out of out of the leadership position, they end up being a subtractor to the team. Now, what I want to talk about today is the great leaders multiply. And if you think about this, and this is going to be logical, and you're probably sitting there thinking, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a great leader. I'm, on, I'm there for my team." Well, are you really there for your team? Do you, are you focused on what your team needs at any particular moment in time, or are you focused on what you can create and what you can get out of the position you've created or you've been given? So, leaders who have a servant's heart, who want to create an environment for their team to survive and then thrive. They also may begin by adding something to the environment, but over time, if they develop some of the characteristics that we'll talk about, they then switch to being a multiplier. And this is the thing, great leaders, exceptional leaders are always multipliers. They know the role is not about them, it is 100% about their team. And because of that, they go about their business in a completely different way than a leader who is focused on the prestige, the symbolism, the status, and all the things that might come, that is perceived to come with a leadership position they if you think about what a what a great leader does who multiplies and I love the, the I love the catchphrase or the all the terminology that um, John Maxwell uses for his enterprise he talks about the fact that his whole purpose is to add value to leaders who will multiply value to others and what he's focused on is is how do I first and foremost help identify other leaders who I can then help pour into, create a, an environment for them to be first and foremost exceptional in their role, but therefore, and then multiply that level of exceptional uh, performance into others. And so first and foremost, a great leader who multiplies is a leader who will identify and foster other leaders so that the team, the business, the organization can enjoy sustained success. And I remember many years ago, my first, my very first general manager, Danny, sat me down on my first day of being a sales leader. And he asked me this direct question, uh, who, is your, who is your likely successor? And it was a very, very challenging question at the time because I'd never, ever given it a thought. I was so focused on becoming a great sales leader. I'd done two years worth of preparation, get ready for the opportunity. But one thing I didn't focus on in those uh, initial two years leading up to the opportunity was who my likely successor was. So it was a bit of a challenging question because I'd never really thought about it. So it sort of set me back a little bit. But what he was doing, he was pouring into me and, and making me understand that the purpose of me being in, in a leader, and I was, I was given the opportunity based on the work I'd done and the preparation I'd been putting in place, that I was, the, I was the, uh, the most obvious, in his eyes, the most obvious choice for that sales leadership role, which I was very grateful for. But he was starting to pour into me the importance of identifying somebody else or some other people in the team that I could invest in that I could help multiply, which would only go go really well for the sustainability and long-term performance of the team and hence the organization. So out of this particular episode, I want you as a, as a leader, whether you're a, a normal operational type leader or a sales leader, to sit down and think about and really analyze and ask yourself the question, am I a multiplier? Am I there to create uh, multiplication within my team? Am I there to leverage my experience? Am I there to create other leaders? Am I there to create duplication? that ultimately leads to replicability and ultimately to sustainability. Because if you're not there thinking about how can I 
identify and foster and grow and develop other leaders, then why are we there? You might get some short-term results and you might feel good about yourself and the team might feel good about themselves as well. And for all intents and purposes, the company might say, yep, you're doing a great job. But in two years, in three years time, are you going to have to do the same thing over and over again in order to maintain that level of result? Or are you developing people to the point where you're starting to multiply your efforts? So thinking about some of the characteristics that great leaders will utilize in order to multiply within their team is something that I want you to start thinking about. And as I go through each of these, just contemplate what comes up for you, what resonates with you. Are you somebody who actually demonstrates this characteristic right now? Or is it something you've got some work to do that uh, if you do apply some conscious focus on it, you might actually start to uh, start to increase the level of multiplication that's existing within your team and therefore start to develop and deliver those exceptional results. So there are nine characteristics. There, there's probably a whole host of other ones, but these are the nine I've been contemplating over the last few days. And these are in no particular order of importance, but I think there are, there are things that we need to be doing as a leader in order for us to be, first of all, developing a high level of conscious competency, but eventually giving ourselves the opportunity of migrating into being an exceptional leader and a leader who is exceptional is also a leader who multiplies. So the first one is accountability and responsibility. Now there's that we and there's a lot of leaders and there's a lot of people that talk about accountability and we've got to be accountable and we've got to be accountable to ourselves and accountable to each other and all that's well and good. But great leaders are accountable to themselves first and foremost. They're accountable to their team. They're accountable to their key stakeholders, both internal and external, and they take full responsibility for 100% of what happens, irrespective of whether they are at fault or not. So if you think about stuff that's going to happen, stuff that does happen that's often is beyond your control, it's very easy to look for excuses and look for others to blame as to why we find ourselves in this predicament. Great leaders who multiply are also leaders who take full responsibility for that, regardless of who's at fault. And so that enables them to choose the right tactics or the right strategies to move forward. The other element to this as well is they're very, very good at understanding and creating a clear view of what reality looks like today. So they're very, very pragmatic and don't get uh, don't get too influenced by emotion. So they take accountability and responsibility for everything. The second thing is they focus on progress, not on perfection. Yes, certainly if you're in sales, you've got a sales target to hit. And the sales target and the achievement against the sales target is essentially the scoreboard that will indicate whether you've won or whether you're not won and whether you're, whether you're making progress or not. The great leaders who multiply know that the scoreboard is there. They know the target is there, but they don't get fixated on it to the point where all of their actions is based on achieving that particular number. What they do is they break that number down. They start to focus on what are the key disciplines. What game plans do we have to put in place? What tactics do we need to deploy in order to give ourselves the opportunity of making progress towards that achievement of that number. It is all about let's focus on the progress and let's focus on our application of the disciplines required to make progress. We will not wholly and solely focus on the end result. So they're very good at removing themselves from the outcome and therefore the pressure that's associated with having to achieve the outcome. And here's why. They know that if they actually get the game plan right, if they can make some adjustments along the way and focus on making constant and never-ending improvements to that, then the numbers will most, most 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 likely take care of themselves. And just think about this, the example they set through that process as well, essentially gives permission of, to their team members to also remove themselves from the outcome. Now, there's one point I want to make really clear here. It is not removing themselves to the point where they, be, where they become apathetic and they drop their bundles and they remove or reduce their level of discretionary effort. It is not that. In fact, they double down on their discretionary effort because they know that if they put the disciplines in place and if they put the actions in place, then the numbers will take care of themselves. But it's not they're not so wedded to having to get the outcome. 
Yeah. Now, with that, there's also a level of gratitude that they demonstrate. So they're very thankful that they're in the position that they are. They're also very thankful that they've got people in their team who are putting in the effort in order to make progress towards the objectives that they've set. So everything they do is with gratitude, which at the end of the day is an attitude. And I talked about attitude earlier in this week and that an attitude, not the aptitude, will ultimately determine the altitude. And just think about the leaders you've worked for over the years and over your career in terms of the ones that are grateful for the position, grateful for the opportunity, grateful for the challenges that they're presented, grateful for the people in their care. These are the ones that ultimately demonstrate a great attitude and people want to be around them. So the attitude of gratitude is something that leaders who multiply do every single day. The other thing they do is they empower their people. They know when it's time for them to step back so that others can step up. And I've spoken a lot about this concept of independent thinking versus codependency. The mistake that I made very early in my career, even though I had preparation and even though I had a good mentor, was I still thought the way to build trust within my team was to solve the problems of my team, and it did not work. The only thing I did is I developed an environment of codependency where they were dependent on me and I was dependent on them. Sometimes we just need to know when is when is the right time for me to step back so that somebody else can actually fill that space by stepping into, it could be a task, could be a responsibility, it could be a project, Give people the opportunity to step up because they want the opportunity. And leaders who multiply are the leaders who can identify talents within the team and give them opportunities to step up and demonstrate those talents when it is required. And just think about the level of confidence that it gives somebody when they're given the opportunity to step up in a role and empowered to use their initiative, empowered to make decisions, always knowing that they've got the support of their leader in the process. The fifth characteristic is that leaders who multiply focus on a mission that is greater than themselves. And they know that the work they start, they may not necessarily be around to see the fruits of the labor that they put into it, but they focus on something bigger than themselves. So this, this means effectively it is not about themselves, never has been, never will be about themselves. So in their mind, they are the least important person in the room and everything they do is focus on how do I help my team get better? What is the mission this team is on and how can I further make a contribution to this mission and how can I empower others to make a contribution as well? So it has to be bigger than themselves. And this is where the servant heart, servant's heart comes into it and servitude. The sixth characteristic is they build a team culture based on kindness. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, a team culture of kindness. This is all wishy-washy and let's, let's hold hands and uh, link arms and stand in a circle and sing Kumbaya. It's not that at all. A leader who multiplies is a leader who creates a culture where people feel valued. They feel part of something special. And because of that, the leader is actually treating everybody with kindness. And hence, they expect others to be treated with kindness as well. And kindness is in terms of looking at how I can add value to this particular person. How can I help this person? It's it's creating a culture of selflessness, not selfishness, particularly important in sales teams where you've got individuals within the sales team and I've often wondered the sales team is a fairly loose term because for all intents and purposes, every single person individually in the team has their own target. And so therefore, many organizations like to have some internal competition where they're going against each other. It's about how do I foster an environment of kindness? How can I still have robust conversations? How can I create uh, competition internally? But it's a healthy competition, but it's all based on kindness. It's all based on how we can help each other. What sort of contribution can I make to you? And I know that if I make a contribution, I'm not necessarily going to get something directly back from you, but by me making that contribution, there'll be something that will come back to me at some stage. So the law of reciprocation plays a very big part in a culture which is based on kindness. 
The next characteristic is uh, leaders who multiply provide clear direction and clear focus. There is no fuzziness. There, it's very, very specific in terms of what goals we're aiming for. Even though they're not wedded to the goal, they remove themselves from the outcome and therefore focus on the progress. We've still got to provide really clear direction to the team because the team needs to know what success looks like. They've got a very, very clear way of articulating what success looks like, what are we trying to aim for, which is linked to the mission. But then once that's done, they then focus on what is the key elements of making progress towards that that we need to keep our focus on. So being really, really clear and uh, very, very focused gives a lot of certainty for people within their team. And this enables them to multiply because people are now focusing on the things that they know are going to move the dial forward. And therefore, they start to become a lot more effective, a lot more efficient, and certainly a lot more productive in what they do day to day. The next characteristic is they delegate. Leaders who multiply find opportunities to delegate. And if you've been listening to the podcast, I've spoken a number of times about the power of delegation and a couple of key ground rules around this, which leaders who do this really well um, find themselves in a, in a great position, which enables them to step back so others can step up. But what they don't do is they don't delegate tasks simply because they don't want to do the tasks themselves. They delegate tasks because it's in somebody's zone of genius or it's in their development zone. So they're very, very masterful when it comes to delegation because it's very specific in helping further develop the person within their team. Because when you think about it, as I've said at the beginning of the podcast, the great leaders, the great leaders who multiply, their key focus is how do I identify future leaders? Who are my likely successes? And in order for me to do that, I've got to give people the opportunity to take on tasks, take on responsibility and take on projects. And delegation plays a very, very key part in that. And the final characteristic that leaders who multiply do very, very well is they spend a huge amount of time mentoring. It's one thing to identify a likely successor, somebody who you believe has potential. It's another thing entirely to help bring that potential out and to unleash that potential. And one of the key ways to do that, and this is what leaders who multiply do really well, is they invest a time and make it priority to mentor the people who are the likely successors. Now, this may mean you're going to have multiple different people who you have the potential to take over your role at some point. And they might have different characteristics, they might have different elements of strengths, and they might have different elements that require development. Your mentoring will be different for each of those. So it's not about casting a brush over every single person and giving them the same sort of guidance. It's going to be customized and it's going to be individual. But doing the mentoring part and making mentoring a priority will pay absolute exponential dividends in your ability to deliver results that over time become sustainable and extraordinary. So they're the nine key characteristics that I was thinking about in relation to leaders who multiply. And as we wrap up this episode, a very, very simple question uh, are placed upon you. And that is, with these characteristics, if you are a leader who's looking to multiply your effectiveness and to create other leaders, do you possess and are you demonstrating all or the majority of these characteristics? And if there are a number of gaps you've identified, and this takes some pretty harsh self-reflection and maybe even some feedback from others as well, and particularly feedback from those you respect, if there are some that you need to do some work on, just double down and think about how can I actually start to develop some characteristics and some strengths in these areas that will enable me to start to multiply my value and start to multiply my effectiveness. Because if we do that, we'll very quickly move towards becoming an exceptional leader. So as we wrap up, if you'd like some help with this and if you'd like to work one-on-one and if you're ready to take your leadership to an entirely new level, I'd love the opportunity of working with you one-on-one. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com. We'll uh, jump on a call, have a conversation, map out a plan and execute that plan as early as this week. So I very much look forward to that conversation 
And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.